This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. China's population fell in 2022 for the first time since 1961, when the country was in the throes of Mao's Great Famine. Official statistics showed the population dropped by 850,000 last year, compared with 2021, to 1.4118 billion. That may mean China has already lost its position as the world's most populous country to India, a change that had not been expected until later this year. The shift will fuel fears of a demographic crisis, with too few young Chinese to support an aging population. Big banks' fourth-quarter earnings reflected a slowdown in deal-making activity amidst high interest rates and fears of a coming recession. Profits at Goldman Sachs, which recently conducted a round of layoffs, fell by 66% from the same period a year ago. The bank's share price slumped by 7%. Morgan Stanley's profits fell by 40% year-over-year, but managed to beat expectations. Oleksiy Arestovich, a senior Ukrainian presidential advisor, resigned after suggesting that Ukrainian air defenses had shot down the Russian missile that hit an apartment building in Dnipro. Russian officials used his comments to blame Ukraine for the strike, which killed at least 44 people. Ukraine counters that the missile in question was a Russian KH-22, a model that their defenses cannot shoot down. Nguyen Suan Phuc, the president of Vietnam, resigned. The ruling Communist Party accused him of being responsible for wrongdoings committed by senior ministers who worked for him before he became president. He is the latest in a series of officials to leave office in an anti-corruption crackdown orchestrated by the government. In 2022, 539 party members were prosecuted for corruption. China missed its GDP target for 2022, with the economy growing just 3% over the year. It is its poorest showing for nearly half a century, save for pandemic-hit 2020. It had hoped for a 5.5% expansion, itself a modest ambition compared with recent past. The economy was whacked by strict COVID containment policies, which included locking down entire cities, sometimes for months. The British government has formally blocked a controversial Scottish transgender law designed to streamline the process for people in Scotland to change their legal gender. It is the first time the Westminster Parliament has overruled legislation passed by the devolved Scottish Parliament. Nicola Sturgeon, the first minister of Scotland, called the move a full frontal attack on our democratically elected Scottish Parliament. Xpeng, a Chinese electric vehicle manufacturer, lowered the price of some of its models by up to 12.5% for the domestic market. The move comes after two competitors, Tesla and Sarah's, cut prices earlier this month. China churns out more electric vehicles than any other country, but Chinese EV makers may struggle to maintain sales as demand in the country is forecast to fall in the coming months. And fact of the day. 
37%. The proportion of Brazilians in favor of a coup to remove President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, according to one poll. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. What's next for Japanese monetary policy? Markets will be watching keenly on Wednesday when the Bank of Japan announces the outcome of its latest board meeting. The central bank had a shock in store in December when it widened the band for 10-year bond yields under its Yield Curve Control, YCC, policy. Kuroda Haruiko, the governor, claimed the change was intended to improve the functionality of bond markets, but many saw it as a step towards normalizing the bank's ultra-loose monetary policy. Yields have already risen to the new upper limit of 0.5% in recent weeks, as investors test the new target. They have forced the bank to spend trillions of yen buying bonds to defend YCC. The bank may yet decide to hold firm, but it could also try further tweaks, such as widening the yield band again, making the target more flexible, or shifting from target 10-year yields to 5-year ones. Or Mr. Kuroda could surprise everyone by ditching YCC altogether. Sergei Lavrov talks up Russia's achievements. Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, holds his annual press conference on Wednesday. It is a chance for the veteran diplomat to summarize what his spokesman calls the country's main foreign policy results over the last year. Given Russia's faltering invasion of Ukraine, observers may wonder if there's much to boast about, but Mr. Lavrov will not be daunted. Such conferences have increasingly become occasions for discussing the Kremlin's favorite subject, why the treacherous West, not Russia, is to blame for Europe's ills. Yet beneath the rhetoric, Mr. Lavrov must be aware of the rising costs of Russia's international isolation. The country's influence in its own backyard, the South Caucasus and Central Asia, has diminished. Leaders from traditionally friendly powers in Asia, namely China and India, have made barbed comments about the effects of Russia's folly. And far from backing down, NATO looks set to add Finland and Sweden to its membership. In truth, Russia's leaders only have themselves to blame. More knocks for the NHS Britain's National Health Service is once more breaking records, for all the wrong reasons. In December, people who suffered a medical emergency, such as a suspected heart attack, waited an average of 93 minutes for an ambulance. The target is 18 minutes. Over 54,000 waited to be admitted to hospitals even after the decision to admit them had been made. The NHS is often accused of being in crisis, but this is a particularly terrible winter. Staff have had enough. On Wednesday, nurses will begin their second round of strikes, with further action planned in February. Ambulance workers will walk out on January 23rd, physiotherapists three days later, when their ballot closes on Thursday, junior doctors too will probably follow suit. The disputes will only be resolved with better pay, 
and that might also make a dent in the NHS's biggest problem, staffing levels. Almost one in ten posts are vacant. That is one reason why an unprecedented seven million people are waiting for specialist treatment. Trouble in the Amazon Starting on Wednesday, Amazon, America's second-largest employer, will begin laying off 18,000 of its 300,000-odd white-collar workforce, largely from its e-commerce and human resources divisions. The online shopping giant's job cuts are part of a broader white-collar recession that caused America's tech companies to announce 150,000 layoffs in 2022, according to Layoffs.FYI, a website tracking redundancies. This year may turn out to be even worse. Rising interest rates have especially hurt tech stocks. Amazon has struggled to gain market share internationally and has been forced to slow down its rollout of bricks-and-mortar stores. Not everything is doom and gloom, however. Amazon's cloud offering continues to gain market share from Amazon Azure and Google Cloud, its two main competitors. And starting on January 31st, Amazon will widen its Buy with Prime service, which allows online stores to take advantage of Amazon's payment and delivery services, a way to fend off growing competition from Canada's Shopify. It's about time. A rom-com in 140 words. How would you use language if you had a daily word limit equivalent to the length of an espresso article? That's the concept behind Sam Steiner's Lemons, 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 a dystopian romantic comedy about a couple navigating love, work, and dissent in a society that restricts them to just 140 words a day. Originally staged in 2015, a new production opens on Wednesday in London. The play was Mr. Steiner's breakthrough work, staged when he was just 21 years old. Lemons has since been translated into over a dozen languages, and its enduring popularity reflects how it speaks to different cultures. Initially, people thought it was about social media, later about austerity. Mr. Steiner remembers. This time, he says, people's minds may be drawn to how the pandemic changed the way we interact both personally and politically. Word limit reached. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers, and as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. Who was the leader of the migrating rabbit group in the novel Watership Down? Tuesday. Which English comedian played the almost silent character Mr. Bean. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Ruyard Kipling. Words are, of course, the most powerful drug used by mankind. 
That's The World in Brief from The Economist. Available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.